Sports Betting Preview Podcast from Pregame.com. Pregame.com. Broadcasting straight from the Las Vegas Strip. Vegas, baby. With your host, R.J. Bell. I saw him on ESPN. Can I call Marco Daddy? VR seems wild. Cincinnati at NC State, ESPN Thursday night. Marco, what should batters be looking at? The big question here is there's an early line move in this game. Is the early line move correct? I don't think it is, but this is going against what I thought public perception would be. Last week, the big thing involving the ACC. All right, so slow down. What was the line move? This game opened up originally Cincinnati minus 2.5, and and it's crossed over to NC State minus 2. Now, last week, why that's so surprising to me is the ACC last week got embarrassed across the board. Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech, Miami of Florida, Florida State, they all lost bad ball games. I mean, Georgia Tech lost to Kansas, which is a game we'll talk about later. Okay, so let's think about this. I totally understand if you get five or six or seven weeks in the season, and let's say the Big Ten, this has been the case, and it's five, six, seven weeks in the season, and high State's undefeated, let's say, and the rest of the Big Ten stinks. And amongst those seven games, high State played four Big Ten games. Now you could say the quality of the conference is going to have uh, is going to speak to a high State's true uh, level. But the very fact that w- most games so far, if not all of them, have been out of conference for the ACC and the other conferences. How does the fact that the rest of the ACC stink affect NC State? Well, the perception is that the ACC is weak. Is that's what the public but, but perception rel- is going to be? But but that would be. But if NC State hasn't played those teams on their schedule, how? I mean, really, High State has as much connection to those ACC teams or USC as NC State. So you. So my question is, what I what I think you're saying is. The perception might be, oh, the ACC stinks, but if you dig a little bit deeper, it doesn't matter. The question right now is how good's NC State? Correct, and ironically, NC State is one of the only ACC teams that actually won out of conference last week, but they played Central Florida. So, you know, it's a difference of conference, but it was also a very misleading final score. NC State won 28-21 over Central Florida, but they benefited from five turnovers in that game. NC State only completed 10 passes in the game for 105 yards. So I really think that NC State coming into this game is not that good of a ball club, and I think the public is overreacting to Cincinnati's first loss. It's the only time they saw Cincy play, and that was Labor Day weekend when they went out to Fresno State. They went out and jumped out 14-0 at Fresno State, and then they didn't do anything the rest of the game, losing 28-14. to 14. A lot of people are going to expect that program to go into a decline since Kelly moved on and went to Notre Dame. And I think you make a good point, is the fact that you've got a new coach, each game early is going to be taken a lot more seriously and be more meaningful, thus a poor performance, potentially an overreaction. Now, as we always talk about, early line moves are sharp, are sharp moves, but then there's really two possibilities. They're setting up for a buyback or they're taking a legitimate position. And usually if they're setting up for a buyback, they're getting ahead of a move. 
I, I'd be hard-pressed to think they thought that Cincinnati or NC State, in this case, was going to get a ton of action. I'm thinking it's a, a legitimate move. Now, is it right? We'll see. But my feeling is it's a legitimate move. It is. It uh, does appear to be a legitimate move, but it's one that I'm going to go against. And in this game, I actually think Cincinnati, they got what I like to call a buffer game in them last week. Uh, granted, it was only Indiana State. But they won 40-7, to so it got them into this situation where, you know, you got back into the winner's circle, you know, get a little bit of confidence. Even though it's a lower echelon team, it still makes you feel good when you win. And I think going into this game on Thursday night that they've got the more diversified offense than NC State. There's no way NC State can win this game only completing 10 passes like they did last week. Okay, a couple points and then you're going to give a projection. One is this is a great example of where trends can be deceiving. Cincinnati has lost seven straight ATS. So you might say, okay, they're overrated. But you have a new coach, and thus, as you've mentioned, two games so far this year. So do you really go back to the five the end of the year with last year? I wouldn't. But if you, all you did was glance at some web page with generated trends, you might be misled here. Uh, what I was going to add in here is all in most of those games that you're talking about that they lost, Cincinnati was a big favorite. Now they're in Different Washington. situation, different coach. Good point. Number two, and I think this goes against your thoughts on Cincy, though I'm not sure to what degree, Thursday games are a special, a special beast. On one hand, you can have a bye before a Thursday game. Or sometimes people play successive Thursday games, so you still have your full week. Other times you can be home last week and home Thursday, even if the game was on Saturday, not so bad. Cincinnati actually falls into almost the worst scenario. They were at home last Saturday. Now they're on the road. So short week with travel, big negative. I guess in theory the worst case would be on the road last week travel on Thursday. I'm not even sure if they schedule them that way. Are you, do you know? Once in a blue moon, it'll happen, but they try to avoid that. So I, th- I do think situationally it's a Cincinnati negative. Marco, what's your projection on the game? Again, because they had such an easy opponent last week, Indiana State, I think that kind of negates it a little bit. It was more or less a, a scrimmage or a practice against Indiana State. So I don't think it's a negative. Okay, so projection. I am going with Cincinnati to win this game, and I'm taking them 27-17 to 17 outright. Underdog outright. Underdog outright. Now it's your turn to get involved. Continue the conversation in the comments section with Marco and me, and we'll be back with Kansas at Southern Mississippi. For the best deals from trusted sportsbooks, visit pregameaction.com. For free real-time odds, lines, and scores, visit pregamelines.com. Kansas at Southern Miss, Friday night ESPN. Marco, what should betters be thinking about? Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, which Kansas is going to show up? Because you can't have more opposite-end scores than this team has had in the first two weeks of the season. I mean, uh, looking at the line moves, last week... Unless I'm mistaken, that was Georgia Tech, right? It, yep. it went from 7 to 14. Mm-hmm. I mean, massive line move, wins the game straight up. Well, when you, when you lose at home to North Dakota State, you know, public's going to have an overreaction for sure. Um, Especially with a new coach, like we talked about before, is there's a, there's a sense of 
it's almost like a job interview. You go into a job interview. Someone's been on the job for a year at your company. They come in and have a bad day. You don't think about it. It's one of 365 days. New coach, it's one game of one game, overreaction. They come back. So we don't ask questions. We answer them. How good's KU? KU is not as good as the KU we saw beat Georgia Tech last week. Oh, That's God, sure. this is such a cop out. They're not as, not as good as their best game and not as bad as their worst game. That's a mantra. That I, that's my mantra. I mean, I, it, it's something that you have to use in handicapping. No, but I, I agree can t- with that. I agree. But see, what happens is it's a twofold effect. If you're the Georgia Tech players, when you went in there last week, you've got to have taken this team a little bit for granted after you saw that score. So that's an advantage that they had that Southern Mississippi, they're not going to be ambushed. They're going to know that Kansas has some talent, and they're going to be prepared. Plus, Southern Miss, as like a 13-point dog, went to KU last year, got beat, could have won the game. They did. And, I mean, there's no question the Kansas team last year is better than the team that we have right now. How much better, we don't know. The season's going to progress. But we've got an advantage here of Southern Miss playing at home. As you talked about in our earlier video, this is a Friday night game. So, again, it's a short week, not as short as a Thursday night game, but you had Kansas that played and has got to travel on the road on a Thursday night, playing a team they generally on a Friday night. On a Friday night, sorry, that you generally don't play. You did have the advantage that you played them last year, but it's new coaching staff. New coaching staff. And that, and that brings up another point we talked about in the Thursday game is Kansas is 20 of 27 ATS in September, but. What does it matter? Because that was all under Mangino. So, again, it's important with coaching changes. Now, sometimes certain uh, trends may still be applicable across coaching um, uh, tenures, uh, staffs, but but this would be one, a certain kind of preparation in uh, spring ball leading to the the, uh, preseason doubles. Certain teams start fast, certain teams don't. We don't know yet with Kansas. Now let's dig in a little bit because it's a little too much of a cop-out. You know, I'll, let's just do a little something here. You have one extreme, horrible performance. Other extreme, good performance, winning as a 14-point dog. Clearly it's probably in between. But which way, let's say if we're right in the middle, is Kansas more the bad team or more the good team relative to those two performances? They would be more on the side of the center towards the good team, not as bad as the team. Now, what makes looks- you so? If I'm out there looking, let's think of the different levels of handicapping. There's look at the score, mm-hmm. then there's look at the box score, then there's look at the game, then there's understanding exactly what's happening within the game. If I'm even just going to the second level, I'm just I'm doing more than looking at the score. What makes you think they're a little bit better than in between those two results? Because, and we don't want to keep preaching the coaching staff, but because it is a totally new coaching staff, it's going to be better each week. And I think that that well, week first- three, we we've been preaching the last couple weeks that coaching early. It might be, this might be the last time I get to say this. Expectations with new coaches are high. Performance is typically low. That equals value fading. I agree. Week one, it's more prevalent than week two. Week two, it's more prevalent than week three. But wouldn't you say it's at least mid-season before performance and expectation are at least equal? It, absolutely. Anytime you've got more data to work with, you're going to come to the norm with what you're looking at. But there's no, no, going to no. be... I, I think you're misunderstanding, so let's take a minute. What I'm saying is in week one, in general, with mm-hmm. a new coach, there's expectation, 
let's say, is here. Mm-hmm. Performance is here. Right. Each week, they get closer. The expectation chances are lowers. Performance increases as the system gets more familiar, et cetera, et cetera. At a certain point, in theory, expectation is going to be passed by performance, and that's when it's going to be a play on. My thought typically is that crossing between the two happens more towards the middle of the season and beyond, where all of a sudden not only is, aren't their high expectations, but there's, low, oh, my God, this new coach is horrible. Mm. Finally, they're getting used to the system, and they're a play-on team. Week three typically isn't that point. Now, what I think what you're, if I'm understanding you correctly, the value aspect exactly. of, of a, analyzing it that way, yes, is going to be more when you get to that tipping point. That's where the best value is going to be when you just cross it. But what I was saying is from a continuity standpoint and the team progressing as just a team that's going to get better. They're, they're better in week three than week one. Right. Okay. And they're going to continue to do that. But what you have going this week, why I think it's a, another disadvantage, is because it's their first road game under the new coaching staff, and they've got to do it on a short week against an opponent that they don't normally play. You just made a great point. You, you, really, that's a great point. We can say this is game three, but for one of the uh, scenarios that is the most challenging for a college team, we're going to talk later about the Colts are a great road team. They're so professional. I'm also going to talk about Florida being almost professional as a road team because of how big the program is and the continuity they have there. But when you have a new coach, first time on the road, that is entirely, I mean, literally, and I have some friends in the business, it's, you know, booking the hotel, it's, it's transit from the airport. I mean, there's so many details. And that's very interesting that, that even game three, being on the road for the first time, is going to have an enhanced negativity for the lack of continuity with the new coach. And take a day off. Your week doing it on Friday. Great point. You got a projection in this game? Well, with everything I've just said, you know which way I'm going. I'm going to go with Southern Miss here at home. Uh, I think it's a tremendous advantage to them in this game. Uh, Kansas, I still think they're right now not a great ball club. I'm going to go with Southern Miss to win this game by 10. Uh, lay the points with Southern Miss 30 to 20 is my projected score. Okay, last quick point. This is a fun one. We could do a whole podcast on it, but I'll make it quick. Teasers. I've been putting out a teaser just this first week in NFL. It won nice and easy. I think in the NFL there's a lot of value with teasers potentially, especially if they pass through three and seven. I like teasers much less. In fact, I, I never play teasers in college. Reason being, each point is worth less. The line is tighter in the NFL, which means it's harder to beat the point spread, but it's easier to beat teasers. That's an interesting paradox. But that's a whole other conversation, too. But specifically, whenever you have a team that has high variance, so there's certain teams that some weeks are great and some weeks they're horrible. Kansas is maybe the most extreme example of that this year. Mm-hmm. Horrible and really good. You, that's the last game you want to tease. You want to tease teams that are like the Steelers from five years ago, very consistent. All, you're always going to get a good performance from them. They may win, they may lose, but they're going to keep it close. Kansas could lose by 30 or win by 30 in this game. Doesn't mean you don't want to bet the side, because if you believe it's going to be more than 55%, but you very much probably don't want to tease games in which points mean less, and with a high-variance team like Kansas, they mean less. Right. In, in what you said about college and NFL, it's absolutely true. And 
because teams do get blown out so much quicker in college. I mean, the line just simply is less accurate, which means there's more value to bat it straight, less value with teasers. Absolutely. Good okay. stuff. Absolutely. Okay. Now it's your turn to join the conversation in the comments section with Marco and me. And next up, we're moving to Saturday college football. <laughs> 